celebrating yet another Lionel Messi milestone this week. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Messi, as, uh, as you probably couldn't have failed to notice unless you were caught up in the Twitter storm around uh, Papi's Demba Cisse's second goal for Newcastle, which was quite astonishing in my opinion. It must be worth at least 75 goals, meaning that he's subsequently broken Messi's new record. Um, Messi has now become the supposedly all-time top scorer in a single season in all competitions in European football clubs. He also, during today's match, surpassed Pelé's personal best of 66 goals in a club season. That's not disputed. So we wonder, we await Pelé's reaction eagerly, whether he's going to admit that he's now been deposed, he's the ex-king. We just have to wait until Neymar gets 70 in the season. Yes, absolutely. Um, And I'm Sam Kelly, as usual, and we're here with English Dan. Hello. Whose house we're in. And Australian now. Hello. Whose house we're not in. Uh, Seba's not here to record yet. We'll give you a better explanation of why next week or the week after, but he's going to be less frequent in the Hand of Pod studios um, in future, but he does have a slightly better reason for it than just wanting to be with his family, um, as Carlos Tevez might say. Uh, so, unfortunately for, for the listeners, it's just the three of us this week. Um, we've got an awful... Well, I was going to say an awful lot to get through, but there's not really uh, that much to get through, is there, aside from Messi's latest milestone, which I think I saw somewhere was his 20th hat-trick for Barcelona, Jeez. which in itself is quite... quite it's not bad. Plus a couple of, uh, what, two or, th- two or three, four goal hauls and... Uh, yeah, five goal hauls. Yeah, one five, yeah. 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 Um, not too bad. Never does it for Argentina. No. <laughs> Slacker. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so the weekend's just gone. We'll, we'll very abruptly change direction now. Um, if I sound a little bit bunged up to, to listeners this week, it's because I am. Um, for which I apologise if my voice starts to crack towards the end of the, the game, uh, the, the podcast. We'll mention right at the start that we've got Boca Juniors against Union Española on mute on the television whilst recording, although it kicks off in around 20 minutes' time. So if we run out of stuff to say, we're just going to start live commentating on that yeah. which will be fascinating for our listeners who will hear it a day or two later yeah we can also point out that um, according to the Fox Sport technological wizards Pochi Chavez occasionally runs in the game we yes, can see him occasionally it will lead to a chance on goal yeah those those of you who watch uh, match of the day or, or Spanish football coverage or well pretty much any league in Europe really will already be familiar with these graphics that pick up a player running on the ball and then have a sort of computerised trail behind the pitch to tell you exactly how far they've run. And it appears that the folk at Fox Sports have just discovered that this afternoon uh, because they've been going a bit crazy with it in their, their preview to this match. It's, it's been most entertaining for it's us. It's kind of brilliant because they start putting a highlight and then uh, Chavez, who, of course, he's a very pure, pure-souled person. I've got no reason to doubt his character. But he suddenly gets bathed in kind of a heavenly spotlight. And then a trail of, you know, 
orange smoke just starts pouring yeah, out of his boots as they see he's run 20 metres and then he passed it's, it's quite astounding you know I feel like we're finally coming into into the 20th, 20th century here it's very PlayStation-esque I mm-hmm. I'm sure all the kids at home love it I'm sure um, dragging things back to the weekend just gone we've had some uh, well the, the results from the weekend in the Primera have left Boca who of course as we've just said play tonight at the top on their own with 24 points from 12 games Vélez one behind them on 23 Newell's one behind them on 22 Tigre one behind them on 21 this is going to keep going for a few more <laughs> All Boys in 5th on 20 Arsenal in 6th on 19 Union in 7th on 18 and then we've got three clubs together on 17 Independiente Colón Belgrano to take it down to 10th I, um, I appreciate that kind of one point between each pattern yeah it's very tidy isn't it 8th it's yeah. impressive um, it still very much means that everybody's pretty much in the title race, really. I would say, you know, only four points back going up to sixth Arsenal. Um, Is Racing still in the title race now? Uh, yeah, it's starting are, to look a bit unlikely now. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're on 12 points and in 17th place, so they've got half of Bocca's points total. Yeah. Um, one point per game so far, in fact, which is even poorer. Well, no, it's not, it's not really. Nothing's as poor as Olimpo's record so far in the class aura, but it's, um, it's pretty bad anyway yeah. we might as well begin with Lanus against Racing on Friday night because both of you were there I believe we were on the opposite side of the tracks but we were both there and yeah I think speaking from the Racing perspective it was pretty desperate the worst um, Racing have probably played all season which is quite a thing to say because there's been a couple of shockers already and it looks like I mean I know we were saying last week uh, Zubel Dia had come in and uh, picked up three points in his first league game against San Martin but I think you can probably say that the team was just brought crashing back down to earth by a team that is obviously miles better than San Martin and on that day miles better than Racing and you could tell it was kind of a breaking point for a lot of fans as well because Racing fans are known for having almost infinite patience to a fault with their team even though they're going badly but yeah this was pretty unpleasant to be in the stands you know a lot of rude words being being bandied about for the team and for certain players and not so much for Subaldia right no I, I don't the, think the manager it was his second league match this yeah his I don't think you can blame him we submitted yeah. it was a it was a 3-1 win to yeah. Lanús the, the Racing goal was kind of laid on the piece laid in the piece and it was a like a, a pretty poor goalkeeping effort from Matches in the Lanus goalkeeper just kind of dribbled under him. So it was pretty relevant. I think Dan made the point when we were talking after the game that he noticed that the Racing fans didn't even bother celebrating it, and in fact, the Racing fans didn't even stop singing la su madre" to yeah as the goal was going in. It only seemed to make it louder, which was interesting. Yeah, it was really bizarre because even normally when a team, even if a team's losing three 0 and then they score, you know, a goal that's not really going to make a difference, you'll normally hear a cheer still from the away fans, where there was absolute silence from the Racing fans, or yeah. just they were singing about other things, or whatever. Um, um, also, a bit of a return to form from Lanús, bizarrely, who, who've been useless in the league up to this point and very impressive in the Copa Libertadores. They seem to. Have yeah, surprisingly they came in with a almost full strength team, mm-hmm. or possibly full strength team. Um, Camaronesi wasn't playing, and Carranza was out. Regueiro. Camaronesi had a very small knock. Yes, yeah. uh, Regueiro was suspended as right. well. But yeah, apart from that, they were uh, particularly given that they're playing 
in the Libertadores later on tonight after we record yeah. this. Oh, wait, uh, that's how that yeah, I had an interesting trip to the game because I was taking a couple of Australian friends who were visiting, plus a couple of um, tourists uh, on one of our tours. And uh, we left about three hours before the game. It's normally about a 35 minute trip out to Lanos. And we arrived at the stadium about 10 minutes after kickoff was supposed to happen. And so I was kind of slightly embarrassed that we were bringing these guys in, you know. So late. Uh, the game hadn't started. I didn't know why. And it was complete gridlock on the streets around. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, this is because of traffic. It was because it was a it was a Friday afternoon and uh, it was a four day weekend and all of Buenos Aires was leaving. There was also a couple of protests, a couple of cuts in the yeah, which was as well. Um, but you weren't the only ones who were late. Down no, because, so like yeah. the game started about. I mean, we were over ten minutes late. The game started about thirty minutes late. I had no idea why at the yeah. time. It turned out the the referee had also been stuck in traffic. In the exact same <laughs> traffic on the exact same bridge. So yep. the the game organisers sent out a motorbike for him so he could just zip through the, the gridlock and get to the game. So yeah, I, um, yeah. I, of course, was watching this on television at home and then when Dan got back very late at night, we were talking briefly on Facebook and Dan said, I, I could have sworn it said it was an 8.15 kick-off and I said, yeah, it was supposed to be. Man, I got, this, I got there like proper early waiting for 8.15 and then we're just waiting in the cold. <laughs> it's just, yeah. It wasn't good. And speaking of Messi, the, the third goal was quite spectacular. It was uh, Sergio Romero... Um, Kind of a Messi-esque chip over the goalkeeper, which is chip, yeah. very spectacular. I think that's underselling it. If anything, it was uh, it was a beautiful finish. Perhaps not quite on Cisse's level, uh, but certainly very good. Um, earlier than that, even on on the weekend, and apparently the reason for this, if you remember, if you were listening last week, I was and, and Astley as well. We're both questioning why on earth they were kicking off at 3.15pm on a, on a working day it turns out that there was some kind of music festival or something happening in La Plata later that day and so they had to schedule the match really early to make sure that, there was, that the traffic didn't all coincide um, Vélez Sarsfield beat Estudiantes 2-0 um, they then the very next day on the Saturday got on the plane to go up to Medellin in Colombia where last night they won 1-0 away to Atletico Nacional with Juan Manuel Martinez missing a penalty so he's joined the ranks of Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo the two greatest players in the world over the last week um, this, is, this is just how at home he would feel were he to move to Europe um, but not Paulo Marte who scored the penalty for Boca in the Copa Argentina. Yeah. Yes. Just on a different plane. Right. And um, most of the uh, most of the players who've just been featuring for San Lorenzo against Barracas Central, which we'll get onto probably much later in the podcast. Um, now I don't know how much you want to talk about Libertadores, but we should say you know Vélez were extremely extremely impressive in beating Nacional, who've you know tailed off a bit in the last weeks, but they started the competition absolutely fantastically. I think they're the top scorers or second top scorers with uh, 16 in the group stage. And no, defensively they were they were immense. Um, Barovero, their keeper, made a couple of brilliant saves from Pavon, who must have just wanted to kill him in the end, I'm sure. And in the other end, uh, I think ten minutes in was the only goal from Ivan Bisha, and he scored a goal worthy of his name, which was kind of a lovely uh, left-footed kind of sweeping finish into the corner. And no, you got to think. But yeah, as you said, absolutely as a, as a, in terms of a de- defensive performance or as, a, as an away. Yeah performance in a, in a you know international club competition it was, it was perfect it was yeah they looked extremely secure and it was like exactly it was defensive but not 
too negative. It, it, it didn't look like they were over, yeah. you know, overstraining themselves no. with you know future future rounds ahead. No. So it was they they look like they're real contenders in yeah. the Copa. And to be fair, they could they could even be home and dry. You know, if Martinez had netted the penalty, which yep, definitely. in fairness was a brilliant save from the ex Racing keeper Pezuti. Yeah, and I think Prato missed quite an easy one as well. Another good mm-hmm. save. So yeah, it could have been even even more comprehensive but the film I think they feel confident from yeah. here and, and the win against the Estudiantes on Friday temporarily, of course, yeah. temporarily took them top of the league until Boca mm-hmm. on uh, Saturday evening got a 1-0 win over Colón mm-hmm. with a quite magnificent finish from a player who's becoming seems to be finally finding his shooting boots for Boca he, he played well pretty much since he transferred to them but couldn't really score for the first what eight or ten games or no. that's well, what he's been, uh, like. he's been the Noiv Ganchi as they've yeah. they christened him in Ole and other other papers basically a mix of uh, a centre forward who also kind of lays it off and sets up a lot of goals and, but he's got his first goal in the Bombonero on Saturday I believe or Sunday Saturday yeah one in the league yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, a lovely scissor kick like after a brilliant run from Erviti as well. Mm-hmm. Kind of that old Banfield partnership starting to show a bit. Erviti actually deserves a mention because he had a fantastic game. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he's brilliant against Belgrano as well. He's been before, in, yeah. I think the whole season he's been really, really good. Yeah. And Boca fans were quite critical of him last year. Mm. Um, I think last year he kind of... He struggled to find his place alongside Riquelme and kind of it, is he know, a playmaker? Is he a carrilero? Is he a winger? Kind of. But now yeah. I think he's found it. Like yeah, he's coming from a, yeah. playing in a sort of defensive midfield role, but like definitely thrusting forward. And uh, like a, in the case of the the goal, he it was a counter attack, and he was the one that stole the ball, I think, and like surged forward and laid it off on the onto the right yeah. for Svitanić, uh, I think, who crossed mm-hmm. in for for Silva, who kind of got horizontal and. Scored before rolling under a. Yeah, he went to have a little nap after the game, and I'm sure we can YouTube. Yeah, you can YouTube the celebration. Apparently, you can watch videos on the internet now, so take advantage of this technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. one of the yeah. Santiago Silva goals celebrations that I didn't really have a problem with. I thought it was. Well, the thing is, he got yellow carded for it, and uh, <laughs> a journalist during the week was asked him a very good question, which was um, he sort of said, uh, he didn't say you, but he said, certain players get a yellow card every time they score a goal. Um, so basically, scoring five goals it equals a suspension for certain players. How do you, you know, how does the coach react to that? And Silva kind of averted the question, but it's a good question because, like, he's basically giving away a yellow card every time he scores. Yeah, yeah. even but though it's funny. <laughs> it's funny, but yeah, like, you don't want to score five goals and get a suspension for every time you score five goals. So. Especially because if you hit fifteen yellow cards, that's a too much suspension. Yeah, and we've yeah. talked about it before the way that coaches don't really, well, they don't seem to discipline players for that kind of thing in Argentina. Uh, Similar to like you know the fouls that they give away in the last minute of games when they're when they're just pissed off because you know they're losing three 0 whatever and they'll just like hack somebody down and get a red card and a week or two weeks suspension you know like I think in European leagues that would be a lot you know very much frowned upon by the coaches but here it seems to be just oh well he was he was angry so you know um, but you know yeah. absolutely um, in. Newell's uh, part of the reason that, that Boca are now top on their own is that Newell's old boys were also held right before that Boca game uh, 1-1 by all boys um, in, in fact it would be better to say that they held all boys because all boys went 1-0 up after 4 minutes and Newell's equaliser through Martin Tonso one of the several good young players who's being brought through under 
Gerardo Martino uh, came in stoppage time at the end of the second half so Newell's rescued the point from that point of view but I think they'll probably be looking at it as two points dropped from the, the point of view of, of the title chasers um, I think so yeah like I watched a fair bit of the match and from what I could see Newell's were on top for most of the game they, you know, they got surprised by that early opener and they really kind of tried to make amends but Cambiasso had um, a pretty solid game in goal for all boys as he's capable of doing and there was a couple of chances that went awry as well but all in all I think a draw was, was probably fair mm. but yeah you know like you got to think if they really want to be challenging for the league they know that with Boca as your opposition who are more than likely to pick up three points even when not playing well you know you can't afford to be dropping points at home almost. No, absolutely. Although, of course, all boys are another one of those sides we mentioned at the very start who, who are in the title race themselves. Yeah. Um, but I think if you had to choose between yours and all boys being there at the end of the season, no, my money so, would be in one so place. Yeah. Um, it's been another good weekend for San Lorenzo because after managing to, after Tigre managed to sort of gain some ground on them last weekend with San Lorenzo dropping points and Tigre winning. Um, the situation was now reversed against San Lorenzo with a somewhat surprising 2-0 home win against Arsenal with goals from Juan Manuel Salguero and Emmanuel Higliotti um, and Tigre on Monday night uh, drew 1-1 away with Belgrano so San Lorenzo have now won a little bit of daylight um, in, in the relegation table again down to Tigre Tigre back in the automatic relegation spots for the moment and I believe that's two wins and two draws under Caruso yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Not river. Yeah. Which kind of proves, you know, I'm a Carusoite, if you will. I love I love the guy, I love his antics. Though he's been pretty um pretty subdued since taking he's up been his he's been quite sensible yeah. in his press conferences and stuff. And yeah. I he said um if he has to play Kilmes in the promotion, then he'll shoot himself and I think <laughs> if uh he plays River then it's, it'll just be like a disaster of epic proportions. Yeah. Well he's uh, it's pretty it's pretty mild for him, to be fair. We're we're going to get a sort of prelude to that potential promotion because um, just before we started record, well just before uh, an hour or so before we left our houses to come down here to English Dance Place to start recording, uh, San Lorenzo put Barracas Central out of the Copa Argentina in a match that was postponed twice or three times or however many twice, it had to be yeah. um, before eventually being played this afternoon in Argentino Junior Stadium, they put them out on penalties 5-4 after a 1-1 draw um, uh, Barracas scored a golasso quite late on to equalise as well um, which means that San Lorenzo will play River Plate in the quarterfinals of the Copa Argentina so the, the full lineups for those quarters are now known it's Boca versus Central Racing versus Atletico Tucumán mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Tigre against help me out Tigre here. against ooh I knew this earlier I had it in my head all of the results and the fixtures but as soon as you tell me, I'm going to want to do a Caruso and go with someone from B Nacional because the quarters are four Primera sides and four Nacional B sides. correct. Well, we're, I'm genuinely trying to remember this as well, by the way, read, uh, listeners. It's not uh, an act that we're putting on here. <laughs> I'm going to just look it up <laughs> on the website. Deportivo Merlo. That's uh, like actually the other. Um, so those quarterfinals are going to start next weekend, I be- uh, next next midweek, I think. Yeah, I believe Racing's is up first. Yeah, Racing play at Atletico Tucumán on the 10th. 10th, yeah. 
Um, then it's San Lorenzo River on the 16th, Merlovi Tigre on the 23rd, and Bocavi Rosario Central on the 30th. Uh, so they're really banging them out, you can see, kind of. Yeah. One after the other in within three weeks. Absolutely, yeah. And the semi-finals, we would assume, are going to be held slightly closer together than a month apart. I not assume anything. No, this is the alpha that we're talking about, isn't it? So we can't we can't take anything for granted. Um, so it's been a, a pretty good week to be a San Lorenzo fan, I guess. Yeah. All in all, hasn't it? Well, uh, I do wonder. Kind of, this is a question I have. You obviously, on paper, this uh, San Lorenzo River. Uh, quarterfinal is going to be the most attractive but of course I've got to look at it in terms you know a r- river of fighting for their lives to get back up to the top and San Lorenzo yeah. to stay at the top yeah. I've got a sneaking feeling that there's going to be some sort of kind of gentleman's agreement and you're going to see two reserve teams come I out I think definitely pitch. that's going to be the case I think yeah, well, which would be a shame as, as I kind of hinted several weeks ago in fact I said it looked like we might well be the semi-final lineup, um, which could consist of one team scrapping for for promotion against another team scrapping against relegation if it was already two teams scrapping against relegation whether it's San Lorenzo or River against Tigre mm-hmm. and then another side who are going to be in the latter stage is probably the Copa Libertadores and at the top of the table in the form of Boca yeah. against yeah, another potentially chasing yeah, yeah. Uh, Atletico Tucumán who are chasing promotion or against Racing who are just Rosario chasing yeah. well yeah but that's in the other quarter well, already yeah. um, I'm looking at the potential semi-finals mm-hmm. or, or against Racing who are chasing just some kind of form yeah, <laughs> I mean, out of the, and his manager yeah. has said that they're, they're going to be taking it very seriously yeah. I think kind of looking at this and I'm not going to say this with any sort of bias because it kind of breaks my heart that we're in this situation but I think out of the teams left you've got to probably give Racing a decent chance just because it's the only thing they've got left to play for in the season there's yeah they're the ones they're, they're going to like care about the most I think exactly because this Clausura season is basically a write off if you pick up a few more points that will keep us safe from relegation for another year but I think yeah the Copper's got to be the priority now and hopefully kind of the team selections will start reflecting that hmm. yeah it would not surprise me do we uh, Australian do you have any thoughts on who might be the favourites at this stage it's kind of difficult to really have an idea because we still don't fully know how seriously everybody's taking oh, some of the sides for that reason I would actually go for Racing just because Unless they, I mean, Boca probably have two, you know, like, yeah. their reserve team could probably win it almost. So. Yeah, if Racing's first team came up against Boca's reserves, I wouldn't put too much money on Racing's yeah, exactly. first so team. Yeah, exactly, probably between Boca and Racing in this stage, but mm. you never know, like, uh, Rosario Central or something mm. there. But, they're, yeah, they really are concentrating on that, on trying to get promoted, so... And having Boca at the court isn't going to help. Yeah, the, uh, in, in case I wasn't already clear enough with the order it's the semi-finals will be Boca or Central against Atletico Tucumán or Racing mm-hmm. and Melo or Tigre against uh, River or San Lorenzo so they're going to be interesting ones to watch I think I definitely agree that River San Lorenzo is looking like the juiciest of the, the ties apart from anything else it's the only one that's a classico at this stage um, and yeah I'm not really sure who I would go for as favourites I'd, I'd probably have it's to really, agree yeah, with Boca. it really depends on who each team puts out yeah. at this stage I'd say Bokhan Racing would probably be the favourite yeah it's got to be from that top half so they'll the be meeting probably. each other in the semi-finals if they both win that's correct yeah excellent um, and interesting as well that we've still got three of the big five left yeah. Independiente and uh, and that other lot oh. um, with San Lorenzo River Boca and Racing oh you're right yeah yeah I don't know why I was only thinking three. You weren't counting River anymore? Or? Oh. <laughs> I definitely was. Possibly. <laughs> just I, I, I might have just written Bocker out of the drawing in my desire to <laughs> and, and 
But um, you know, there's no room for uh, subjectivity here, Sam. You know, <laughs> this is a serious program. Yeah, um, I, I think <laughs> San Lorenzo are possibly the ones I'd have the least confidence in if I were one of their fans because so far they've got through the draw almost exclusively having played, in fact entirely exclusively having played sides who are at least two divisions below them. I think I'm correct. Oh no, Chacarita are in the second division, aren't they? But San Lorenzo haven't yet played a match against in the Copa Argentina against a team in the same division, whereas everybody else in the competition still, I think, has played at least the same division, if not a division higher. I don't think Racing have. I think they've only sure. played... Let's have a look. Oh no, they played uh, Patronato. That's right. Racing yeah. have played Sarmiento, um, Patronato... Played, yeah. And El Porvenir. So they yeah. played Patronato, yeah. Oh, that's quite right, yeah. Yes. Um, good. The, the Racing have also not played yet so much against the team in the same division, then. and indeed they can get to the potentially get to the final without doing so. Mm-hmm. Um, although that would require Central to knock out Boca, which would be somewhat surprising. Anyway, they really were quite dire on the, the match on Friday. Um, mm. I was just talking to Dan about it before. Actually, uh, coincidentally or, or not, Gio Moreno actually had what I think was his best game of the season. Played very well, um, but. Racing just looked terrible, terrible. Okay, so we've mentioned already uh, the, the Tigre and San Lorenzo situation. Um, we should possibly give our best wishes to Lucas Orban of Tigre, who on Monday night was knocked fully unconscious and looked in a horrible state um, inside his own penalty box against Belgrano. Um, after which they spent about five minutes picking him up and then bundled him into an ambulance that had actually driven onto the pitch and then promptly drove out through an open gate in the Popular right behind the um, the goal, <laughs> which was quite a sight to watch on the television. The, the fans, all uh, the home fans, all seemed to sort of part and uh, almost be applauding him off. I didn't notice anybody chucking anything at the ambulance or whatever, as would not have been entirely surprising in that situation. He's now been given the medical okay and apparently he's optimistic of playing this weekend, which is lovely to hear. Yeah. Uh, he clashed with Ribay Rodriguez, whose lovely shining bald pate um, was somewhat bloodied by Orban's well, know, than teeth or something. Yeah. It, it, the whole thing looked very nasty anyway, and um, we do wish, wish him well and hope that he continues to. I don't think it's a good idea that he plays this weekend because I don't. I think people underestimate concussion and yeah, it's a bit. It's probably taking half a week. Yeah, just why are you struggling not to laugh? Well, no, I, I didn't do it. Was, it was just a serious concussion. He lost in inappropriate moments. <laughs> I'm always slightly surprised when players play again so quickly after suffering that kind of knock. I mean, John Terry did it, but then John Terry's a complete moron, so yeah. perhaps not too surprising in that case. But as somebody so who's yeah, as, as been knocked, knocked unconscious myself, I, I'm not, admittedly, when I was a, quite a small child, um, I'm not sure I'd have wanted to play a, a top flight football match one week after doing so. Um, I probably would have struggled to last the pace. Unlike, of course. <laughs> Unlike, of course, if you've got all your faculties where... <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, we should also mention San Martin versus Godoy Cruz, which was a classic off during the weekend just gone. It was 1-0 by San Martin, but pretty much all of the headlines since have been about off-pitch goings-on. Godoy's, uh, I think not just their Barra Brava, actually, judging from the number of fans, it was six to 800 Godoy Cruz fans, were prevented from initially from entering the province of San Juan. Uh, and ended up, I think, being allowed into the stadium at half time or during the second half. Um, Do we have uh, a reason? There seems to be uh, the, the, the situation 
from both clubs around the whole thing has been ridiculously sort of blown up and um, there's been an awful lot of talk about the security operation and, and exactly what went on and things really kicked off after the match and there was talk of 30 something people arrested uh, a guy who one fan who lost an eye yeah. from, a, from a rubber bullet from police and all kinds of stuff happening after that yeah I mean what the reason was for the for them not being allowed into the stadium until so late uh, I, I honestly don't know um, but we, we do know that the, similar things have happened during the Copa Argentina there were the Boca fans who were stopped and prevented from entering Mendoza province before, before one of their earlier round games um, so it seems like sometimes the the federal police have a slightly heavy handed way of dealing with what might be flashpoints um, and I know when I went to Racing or the Cruz as a as vi- visiting fan the police were also very not particularly heavy handed but they were stopping all of the buses that were going into Mendoza province and searching them all and luckily you know we were there pretty early and we managed to stash all of our contraband but <laughs> otherwise yeah they they definitely uh, they check thoroughly in that part of the world not not that Hand of Pod would like to give any tips on anybody wishing to take part in illegal behaviour when going no. to away matches in Argentina of course no by no means whatsoever should you stash a fanet in the skylight or anything there. this is completely deplorable behaviour that's, that's very clever what the uh, <laughs> and that was um, we talked about Facundo Sava taking over at San Martin uh, so that was you know the effect of well, you know, a new coach or, or whatever well, his first ever game it, was was it was also Omar Assad's first game in charge of God like well, <laughs> so we can you know give him credit then it was Facundo Sava's tactical genius that won that game for mm-hmm. San Martin yeah we, we can indeed uh, in other matches what else have we not covered yet or mentioned yet Independiente beat Banfield 2-0 in probably the most deserved win for any club that I've seen this season because more than anything because Banfield were just pathetic and I believe um, that takes up Independiente to five wins and two yeah yeah five wins and two draws in eight matches in eight matches yeah it's fantastic yeah mm. yeah because yeah. of Barcelona target target Nicolas Tagliafico well he plays for Banfield so yeah. I I'll 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 directly due to yeah. his influence yeah. Banfield haven't won five <laughs> games in the last eight by any means um, but it could uh, <laughs> Patricio Rodriguez <laughs> yeah. certainly seems to have found his feet again and is, is playing United well. target Patricio Rodriguez yes. Yes. I believe contractually obliged to say yes that's quite right ahead of any young prospect it's <laughs> their club target and then absolutely and also this was the game I think I'm right in saying that Alejandro Sabella was out right he, he wanted to have a look at Julian Velasquez Independiente's left back Tottenham target Julian Velasquez yes I, I didn't realise that <laughs> yes yes <laughs> This is hand of pod with all of your um, European transfer <laughs> needs. We're, we're, we're happy to link any player you want us to to your. And so Sabella was at that match to look at. Well, Talia Fico is in consideration for the, the national team, of course. Uh, uh, Velasquez as well mm-hmm. as a, a centre back. Pato Rodriguez, I guess, and um, Fredes for Independiente. All guys who are in the, on the radar for Sabella. Mm-hmm. And this is for the the local. Uh, national team to club. I, th- I think they have a friendly at some point, don't they? Against somebody before long. I think Taliafico would be almost in the reckoning as a left back. He's certainly been spoken about as a future Argentina left back uh, by his first manager, ex Banfield manager Sebastián Mendes. Um, said said that just a couple of weeks ago. So it wouldn't entirely surprise me if he's going to give him a chance 
in, in the full side. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you see the Brazil friendly next month as being a possible? That would be a hell of a. The uh, baptism of fire. It would, although yeah. they played in New York rather than in the Maracanã, so maybe not. Yeah, we might see some of these guys getting a getting a go. Uh, Velasquez would be a good, good chance to give him a him a start. Definitely. I'm not sure. I don't think he would be that far behind some of the the centre backs that he's trying out at the moment. No, I'm sure. Villa. Kind of refreshing to see an Argentina manager actually going to games to watch yeah. pl- players he's yeah. thinking of calling up as well. Uh, I can't remember. Maradona or, or Batista ever being um, reported as having gone along to a Primera game to actually look yeah. at some of the players. I think Batista used to, uh, used to go along to Argentinos a few times, but he couldn't have been looking for much there, I'm sure. Batista used to go to um, meet the players in Europe and have coffee with them and then yeah. tweet about it. So he took lovely pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Happy smell. And talking of taking pictures with former Argentina national managers, Dan, do you want to mention your Twitter follower who recently met Mr. Maradona? No, I can't remember his name. That's that's a shame. <laughs> He's from Bahrain. Um, and no, he's a guy who um, he would often talk to ask me at least about uh, Diego, and then eventually he met him and, and sent me a video a while ago, and then this video appeared in recently in all day uh, about him meeting Maradona and giving him this like crazy kind of gifts which he made out of pure gold um, that's the extent of the story yeah that's, that, that is roughly what happened um, but if, if he is a hand of pod listener then congratulations to you as well and we're sorry for not being able to remember your name off the top of our heads we should um, say rumours that, rumors that Maradona's going to sell those gifts to uh, pay off his Italian tax debt are completely unfounded I don't know where you could have got them from absolutely yeah. R- rumours as well that Diego Maradona is now set to become West Bromwich Albion manager now that Roy Hodgson has been appointed possibly also slightly wide at the mark if no, I was I West Brom I can believe that be hoping so yeah. has um, he been linked you know, he hasn't been he wasn't linked with the Barcelona job at all has he? he has now <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Under pod> exclusive. <laughs> Barcelona target Maradona so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that would be a turn up for the books wouldn't it given his previous spell there and how well he got on with everybody in such a highly disciplined club um, the only result so far okay Argentinos drew nil nil with Rafael in a match in which literally nothing happened no, um, no. I know this because no. I watched it and wished I hadn't done afterwards it's a definite theme in Argent- Argentinos games nothing happens yeah. ever <laughs> there's at least incredible. one in every round of the of the championship and generally speaking you can guarantee that it's going to be the Argentinos one yeah. uh, they had a bit of a sort of up point. I remember talking about this an awful lot when Hunter Pod first started, and then about six months ago they seemed to get interest, vaguely interesting for a short while. Well, I guess when and now they've gone back to being really they were the champions, yeah. Uh, yes, they were. Yes, that, and, and playing like crap. Um, so by the time that we start yeah. some recording. Indeed. Well, it makes me feel sorry for the current, uh, for our friend Daniel Schweinler, who, who has to write about Argentinos every week in his blog. Jesus. Um, well, generally speaking, he's not really writing about Argentinos. No, I but he has to very well. heavily recommend this blog, yeah. by the way, but he sort of uses the matches as a way into talking he about... He very cleverly talks about, you know, Argentinian society or whatever, but it's, it must be very, very hard sometimes to find a hook to, uh, to, to mention somehow tied into Argentinos games because literally nothing happens every single game. No. Uh, his blog is Hand of Dan, by the way, if anybody wants to, to do a search for it. He's the only Dan... Uh, in the English-speaking world, writing about Argentine football, who yeah. does not regularly appear on Hand of Pod, so he's he's <laughs> worth following. We call him Maverick then because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, and in the only other match so far that I don't think we've mentioned from the weekend gone was Union two Olimpo nil. Um, Olimpo probably the only club 
anywhere in the world in the top flight who are worse than Banfield, I think, this season. Uh, they're absolutely shocking. They are currently bottom of the Klausura standings. After 12 matches, they've won two, drawn one, lost nine, scored 12 and conceded 24. Um, I should probably mention their, their kind of lack of success is absolutely baffling when you consider that they've got one of the greatest coaches of the modern day era in Argentina and, you know, our absent friend Seba's favourite coach possibly of all time, uh, Parazzo, mm. on the bench. Is, I just can't see how it's not working. No. no. I wish Seba was here to comment on it because I'm sure he would be as, uh, as baffled as any of us. Well, they do have a, a, an excellent uh, enganche who we've talked yeah. about before in Role, um, which, who I'm sure if they get relegated will move on to one of, I'm sure he'll, he would I've thought that he would do really well at Independiente because mm. I think what they lack is a is a proper creator in midfield. I might have mentioned it before, but mm. I think he'll definitely move to one of the bigger clubs should they get relegated, you which so, yeah. should be interesting. I, I think that, that'll happen. Well, I mean, they're, they're basically down already. Yeah. Um, they're so far adrift in the promedio, it's absolutely unthinkable to think that they'll be able to survive. And yes, I think that you're almost certainly right, Dan. And just in case uh, anybody is a little bit hard of uh, hearing... Tone-wise, uh, English dance comments on Walter Perazzo were entirely sarcastic. <laughs> um, and in case you're new to the podcast as well, and we're not aware of the scorn with which we normally basically the reason Argentina and we will not be at the London Olympics Indeed. in a yes, few months. He, he very much is. Yeah, um, we've talked about the Copa Argentina already. I think we'll now put down the the microphone um, to to refill our glasses, and then we'll come back and field a couple of your questions. I'm going to make an appeal now on Twitter for questions because we've not had money so far. <laughs> um, maybe just talk a little bit about the Argentine sides and the Copa Libertadores as well, who aren't Vélez, because we've mentioned them already. So, don't go anywhere. doing a little bit of live questioning this week and a little bit of not live questioning because we had a couple of very good questions last night from Football Fatties on Twitter um, who asks us okay well three questions actually not two um, the first one is is one that we haven't covered before I don't think at all on the podcast which is are there any yo-yo teams in Argentina for those who are not familiar with, with the term yo-yo team um, it, it's a club that frequently sort of bounce between the top well that's between two different divisions. It could be the top two, it could be the bottom two. We're going to assume that you're talking about between the second division and the first division. Um, can anybody think of one? The, the relegation system almost seems to be is Olimpo. They've been up and down a few times in recent seasons, yeah. I think you've got to probably look at more of these teams outside of Buenos Aires province that seem to go up and down a lot. Like, uh, I know Begrano have gone up and down a few f- a few times in Tituto, who might yeah. go up this time. Uh, Olimpo, as Dan mentioned. And yeah, there's a few of them coming around. I think it's not so much... I don't think you see the yo-yo effects so much as maybe in England because I think when you go down to the second tier, there's so many teams that go up and, you know, they have a chance to go up, I should say. Yeah, sure. Uh, Quilmes, you could definitely put in that category. Yeah, sure. uh, Jacarita, yeah. Tigre up until a few years ago, like they've cemented themselves a bit now, but they've been up and down. 
Yeah, yeah. unless they're a very good shout actually. Yeah. I like that suggestion. Okay. Um, his second question was who are the fattest players? Uh, evidently a relatively new listener because we can't possibly leave any mention of uh, this That's question fun. without saying. Well, I know you for a fact that um, Football Fatties is a big fan of Fabiani. He's uh, yeah. written, he linked me to Twitter an article that he did on Fabiani, which was pure magic because I love to, you know, just shed some light on these. Uh, these chubby footballers, like I think it's a nice that they're still playing to, to flesh out people's knowledge of them. To flesh out people's knowledge, is, yeah, yeah, absolutely, um, exactly. Who's the guy, the guy for Godoy Cruz, one of the attacking midfielders? Uh, Anai always, Ramirez is Ramirez, is right, yeah, that's the one. Um, he's very portly. Also, yeah. Silvio Romero, as I said, when yeah, we he's, he's, he's a bit better now, but when he started the season, he was very, very chubby, and he was still relatively quick as well, so no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> which was quite impressive. Then um, apart from that, you can probably. At a push, you could include someone like uh, Ortigoso, though that's more kind of yeah, immensity yeah. rather than a. Well, Pavone is quite a, is a similar one where he's yeah. a big fella. He's not very fast. Yeah. But now I've had the yeah. pleasure of uh, of meeting Ortigoso in the flesh, and he's just like he's as wide as he is tall. He, you wouldn't necessarily say he's fat, but he's just he just look, looks like a refrigerator basically. It's, mm-hmm. it's impressive, and yeah, but kind of. If we're going to go for chubby rather than just units, there's quite. Like, units. If, you watch, if you watch Nacional League, there's quite a lot oh, yeah. in there. But uh, mm. no, those are the main ones I can think of in the first division. Yeah, yeah. Um, his final question was: Is there much of a wag culture in Argentina? Uh, wag or wag? Wag. Sorry, oh. my. It's I related, yeah, well, l- listeners who will remember at the very beginning of the episode that I mentioned that my voice was going to start cracking at some point. That was the least appropriate possible moment. <laughs> yeah. um, is there much of a wag culture? Absolutely, in yes. absolutely. It's, it's massive. Gigantic. They call them. Yeah. They call them botineras here. Yeah. Um, which I'm not. How would you translate this? My like, it basically <laughs> comes from because uh, a botinero is. Kind of the it's the bag they carry the boots inside. It's just uh, a play on that kind of like a boot girl, like a girl who hangs around. Follows the boots, yeah, yeah. yeah. right, exactly. Absolutely. And there's some very famous ones. Like a lot of these girls have got famous for sleeping with footballers, and then they'll go on to uh, to begin modelling careers and singing well, we can careers. Mention and some of them. <laughs> if we can wait till you like, want to yeah. to follow these, and if, if your Spanish is is good enough, particularly, we've mentioned this off air a couple of times. So we might as well bring it onto the podcast now. I've been itching for a reason to like there's itching, a, itching. There, there's a Twitter um, handle which is anti underscore botty. That's a n t i underscore b o t i, and he or she pretty much. Uh, Brings out a lot of details that these people would probably, both the players and the girls, would probably rather didn't come into. I think it's already broken up a few relationships yeah. there with, uh, yeah, all sorts of sordid details of who players are partying with, basically. Yeah. And so yeah, the, the, we can mention a few of the famous ones. Yeah, though, let's like, give a couple of all sides, I think. One, uh, I think of Wanda Nara always, who. Yeah. Um, Is Maxi Lopez's wife? Maxi Lopez's wife. Uh, yeah. She had a. A video he used to go supposedly starring uh, it was either a donkey or Christian or Fabiani I'm not sure <laughs> but these kind of things her, actually affect her sister is, was the one who went out with Diego Forlan right? she yeah, was, she was, was a huge right storm before, Copa before the Copa America where she broke up with Diego Forlan this is uh, Zaira now the sister yeah that's right yeah. That's who's right. now she's now dating uh, Juan Monaco I think the, the tennis player I think so yeah and then another one kind of one of the new kids on the block He's probably worth uh, 
worth a mention is I'm gonna hope I get the name right is uh, Solange Rivas alright oh, we who was, yeah who was the victim well one of the victims <laughs> of the Black Widow scheme that kind of snared in her boyfriend at the time oh Christ Buse 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 which is basically uh, three girls went back to this guy's place got him drugged him and absolutely cleaned him out of everything mm. so basically she came across as the innocent I think law, legal student law student we should also mention that the, the, the reason that this hit the papers and was quite as amusing as it was was that they kidnapped the dog as well yeah the dog and they took his Mini Cooper as well I think. Yeah. Yeah. so anyway she was, yeah. a, she was his girlfriend at the time yeah. and she so she came out yeah and she came out at the start saying no I'm not I'm not a botinera, I just want to do my studies and that. About one week later, she'd um, done her first kind of topless shoot. <laughs> and two weeks later, she was going out with another footballer, Nicolas Colasso. Yeah. So it's an upgrade, I guess. Was that a similarly long long distance relationship? Because she was living in Cordoba when Busso was. Possibly. Was, yeah. uh, I don't know. Drugged. I don't know, and they could Because like, they do sort of. Well, we talked about Jaco a few weeks ago and the way. He Boca players didn't want him to transfer to Boca, even though he was on a free transfer. And well, uh, Svitanich's current girlfriend is uh, Chetu Bonelli, Cecilia Bonelli, who's a she also hosts one of the football shows. Mm-hmm. Very knowledgeable about football. Uh, <laughs> anyway, she's dating Svitanich at the moment. She used to date Chaco, so that was cited as one of the reasons uh, why uh, Boca players didn't want Chaco at, uh, at Boca. Uh, so these girls do have. An effect on yeah it's it, I, I don't really like to pay too much attention to it because coming from Britain it feels no, very it, it feels, <laughs> no 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 what, what I mean is c- coming from Britain with the, the wag culture there it doesn't really affect apart, unless you're John Terry it doesn't affect what's going on on the pitch and so it feels all very gratuitous but when you actually start as, as Dan's just made clear here it actually genuinely affects transfer stories and all the rest of it to, to quite an enormous degree um We've got a couple more questions whilst we're answering uh, those ones. First of all, from the Laced Boot on Twitter, who says, Who are the most disliked players in the league? Not those who are in the Teo Gutierrez mould, but more just the mediocre players who just piss everybody off. Um, I think uh, this is kind of exclusive to every club. I don't think you can point to any. I mean, obviously, as a Racing fan, I've got people that I can't stand to to see on the pitch and get booed more than ever. More than most, and I know Sam will probably point to uh, River players who suffer the same treatment down with uh, Ferro. Players who play for Ferro, who are down there? Who just get it in the neck from, from the fans. I mean, for, yeah, for yeah, me, yeah, right. it, uh, mine at River at least seem to be slightly different to a lot of the rest of River's fans. And the last one I can remember really clearly was Walter Acevedo during last season the season in which River were relegated because he he wasn't a bad defender but he had a habit of surging forward into midfield and you could guarantee that once again roughly halfway through the second half he'd take some ridiculous shot from about 40 yards out and tank it into the second tier of the stand and he then signed for someone else when River went down and took a shot again continued to do the same thing and about 10 rounds into the Apertura scored an absolute screamer as a result of it and the commentators all went oh it's brilliant how, how you know he, he always yeah. speculates so you think yeah but he wastes at least one and normally two or three really good build ups every single match that, that irritates him more player. than Rockelio Funes Mori yeah um, um, no but I think there's certain players like for example uh, Barrientos Barrientos yeah always, that's uh, kind of a similar deal thing it's because he's dirty it's because he yeah. hits people like, it's not because he's and really and I think like, a, a lot of the the 
the players because they're so good. Like Rikelme is extremely hated, I think, and Veron yeah. uh, just because people view them as such a threat to their. Yeah. You know. Um, and obviously, um, people that have maybe played for a certain a certain team's club before yeah. and they come back, they often get a lot of stick. But especially if they're goalkeepers, because the fans can basically spend the whole half shouting at their back. Or, or of course, if they've played against a team's classical rivals. And yeah, there's a lot of um, to, or if a lot of permutations. Pablo Malche, for example. Or if Pablo Malche is a good shout. Actually, he'd probably be the one of the the, the good ones. Um, Billy Morrison it's kind of actually related in a way because we just mentioned some of the, the really good players being the most hated asks us uh, soccer underscore talk underscore on Twitter asks us who is the best player who plays in Argentina I think the fact that he's saying who plays in Argentina means that we can discount Raquel Moron for the time being at least because they're not doing very much playing football um, so, and, and of course also they're, they're the two really obvious answers so let's can, can we come up with anybody apart and I'd give a shout to let's say Santiago Silva actually who uh, just yeah. oh Boca Juniors have scored Dan, English Dan is sitting between me and the television so I've not seen any of this and, I'll back to it as well, so. um, and yeah. Australian Dan didn't bother to, to inform no, us no. That, that the goal had been scored um, you've got uh, players like Diego Bichar certainly the best beard yeah. in, in Argentina <laughs> although Australian Dan currently is yeah. to running close yeah. um, Juan Manuel Martinez has to be up there I think mm. yeah I think he's He's been a pretty good in recent weeks, but he's, I think he's dropped off a bit in the last season. He's not... A, I'd say, I would have said a year ago that he's, he was far and away... He's, yeah. he's become a father fairly recently, so he's getting a lot of sleepless nights. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, that's, that's one I wonder whether Lionel Messi's form's going to dip if his girlfriend really is pregnant during halfway through next season. That's going to be interesting to watch. Um, any others? The best player in Argentina. Um, I, I'm going to also, again, a Boca player, I feel slightly dirty saying it, but Leandro Somosa certainly the, yeah, the most uh, arguably the most important player during Boca's title win during the Apertura at least yeah. it's a hard question because obviously you have to allow for positions you have to allow for the quality of the club they're playing in which yeah. It's, yeah it's tough but I think talent wise like Mate- Martinez probably is probably up there not necessarily on form but on pure talent yeah mm. I think if we did it on form you'd, you'd be picking a different person every week yeah Absolutely, because nobody seems to be able to get any actual form. Um, Ed Mannion's asked us, as normal, two utterly stupid questions, uh, which are, first of all, to what extent do the urban communities in Ribeiro's La Región Más Transparente immunise themselves from the imaginary? Um, Ed's Ed's fairly close to finishing his last ever piece of university coursework, so I only assume it's got something to do with that. Ed, go away, we can't tell you. Uh, his, His second question is, which is the best Argentine cheese? They're pretty much all crap. Yeah, well, at least yeah. here in Buenos Aires if you go out well, to the provinces you can get some just another name um, Christmas you can get some nice uh, goat's cheese uh, you can get like a semi-soft goat's cheese which is pretty decent oh yeah, yeah. yeah. my parents nice said they had some really nice cheese in Salta actually when they were here yeah. Yeah. I don't know whether it was from Lama or you can, or you can get some nice uh, smoked cheeses from uh, Patagonia which yeah. are very nice oh and of course the provoletta is Astonishing. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Paris, yeah. Which is yeah. one of the greatest. We'll say, um, well, that's in its natural state, yeah. Yes, of course. It yeah. becomes provoletta once you put it under f- on fire. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's enough for that nonsense. Um, yes, we're, we're now going to get on to some more, some better questions. Um, <laughs> not that we don't value Ed's contribution very much. Uh, Sean, oh God, how on earth do you say that? Uh, I'm guessing it's Sean O'Hagan. Um, 
S.O.Hagen92 on Twitter says, how highly is Jorge Sampaoli rated in Argentina? He's obviously paying some attention to, yeah. to what's going on uh, here. That, hang on, that's, that's not Universidad de Chile, is it? I've done it again. I always get Lava mixed up. Um, Lau are currently ranked third in the IFFHS rankings. Mm-hmm. The IFFHS, of course, being the ultimate authority on how oh, good football clubs are. Um, apparently a German guy sitting in a room... Yes. typing stuff into his computer pretty much yeah. Yeah. they had Vélez ranked as the third best club in the world for several months in this year um, how, how highly is Sampaoli rated here he, well, I think we touched running for yeah. a couple of the recent managerial jobs that came up yeah I think we touched on this in previous episodes when we were talking about the wrestling vacancy with Seba and a few more and I think we've talked about uh, Sampaoli while uh, Universidad were on the way to winning the Copa Sudamericana in 2011 um, the truth is you don't hear too much about him so I think between the people that count kind of club presidents directors and he's pretty re- pretty much he's pretty well rated but kind of if you ask someone on the street about San Paoli they'll probably know he won the Sudamericana but that's about the limit of their knowledge absolutely yeah the players in other countries tend to be largely ignored as we've discussed before but I think with with Universidad de Chile it's now reached a point where they're so good that they can't continue to ignore the fact that they've got an Argentine manager so I think we'll yeah. be seeing him managing here probably before too much longer you if, if so, indeed yeah. he, he wants to come mm-hmm. which you imagine he will um, let's see whether we've had any others since that one if not we'll get on to the, yes we have um, could any of the Handel Pod team recommend any English language books on Argentine culture and football that's from Sean again I'll leave this football is quite difficult but there are certain sections of um, I'll, send them to, I'll send them to you on Twitter Sean sorry it, uh, I can't remember the titles at the moment um, the, the South America sections of the global game uh, sorry the ball is round by David Goldblatter superb as indeed is the rest of the book so that's certainly a good place to start on culture uh, a friend of mine Ian Mount's book The Vineyard at the End of the World on Argentine wine if you buy this through Argentina Football World Dan yeah. will get a 10% kickback or, <laughs> or just send me the money I think yeah. uh, <laughs> but there are also there are lots of good blogs to check out we've already mentioned Hand of Dan um, Collectivization, which is run by another friend of ours who recently completed his mission to take every single bus in the city of Buenos Aires because he's a little bit wrong in the head um, is, is a good one to check out as well uh, but yeah generally speaking you're, you're better off going for blogs than books I would say there's not been an awful lot written Although the, there are a couple of English language ones that you can get here in Buenos Aires and almost nowhere else. I remember well. I, I read a title which was very kind of culture based and had a lot of decent essays and stuff. It's like a compilation of different things called the Argentina Reader. Mm. And it's quite kind of academic, it's not a light read, but if you really want to kind of get in kind of a more in depth look at Argentina, then it's worth checking out. Mm. Um, Shivam. Shivam LM on Twitter says which teams along with Instituto do you guys want to see in the top division next season I want to see River Plate in the top division next season please Pero Carrillo Oeste is a great team from Caballito okay for Atlanta definitely of those who are mathematically still in the running which will be good for actually they might both I'm sure Atlanta aren't but I think Ferro might be mathematically yeah I don't really care about Quilmes but all the others that are in the running I'd, I'd like to see them back up uh, yeah, I'd, like Central, I'd like to see Central back up and, and ob- obviously River and uh, I, I think it would be hilarious if River didn't go back up actually so from the new from me Rosario Instituto with you, but. Um, yeah. yeah Atlanta Atlanta <laughs> 
No, from, from the neutral point of view, of course, I would recognise that everybody would find it hilarious if River didn't go up, but I'd still like to see them there. Right. Um, I'd like to see what would happen to all these guys who have come to play for River, mm. Kamenagi and Tori Dominguez, and uh, if, if they had to spend another year in there. Yeah, I think <laughs> the assumption was that they would be going up this year. Yeah, it would be quite funny to see if they stuck around for a Ch- second year. Tori Dominguez has even been saying just recently that it, it was kind of an assumption that they find it slightly easier going than, than it's turned out to be as well I probably tend to start playing better than like, yeah. <laughs> yeah or at least killing matches off yeah. rather than dominating and then conceding stupid late equalisers no, I'm just talk, I'm talking about Jordi Dominguez you know singing yeah. oh, right, yeah. just play better yeah. and you might go up um what others? Uh, Jake Jake Gibbo on Twitter says, "How come more lower league English teams don't look at Argentine players? Becchio and Spironi have both been successful. Is it simply down to work permits? Quite possibly. Um, most probably work permits. Yeah. If, if if you're Liverpool or or Manchester United or Chelsea or whoever, and and you want to bring in a a player who doesn't meet the work permit standards immediately, then you've got the money to appeal that. And if you're a lower league side, you're much less likely to have." If they have an Italian passport, they can play in England. Right? Italian yeah. or Spanish? Yeah. Yeah. Passport. Well, most Argentinian players can get an Italian passport yeah. or a Spanish. So well, there was a bit of a thing about that. When, I don't know if you remember, Dan, but a few years ago there was a bit of a to do about Juan Pablo Carrizos turning out to be fake after he, he yeah, himself I mean, was quite convinced it was real. It's happened a few times. I think with yeah. Verón there was a. Yeah, similar back, back in the day, he said, yeah, there was a lot of these, these guys. Yeah. Who all happen to hail from a certain Italian village? Right, <laughs> well, maybe that's why the villages are so small because they can't just South America. I think it's logical. But aside from those problems, uh, I don't know. Like you look at uh, Dybala. I don't know if we mentioned it on here, but he's supposedly going to Palermo now for something like three point five four million euros, yeah. which is a fantastic bargain. He's. Yeah. I think it's silly for Instituto to sell him before spending a year with him in, in the top flight because he'll be worth 15 million in, in a year. Although I've got a feeling the case with Dybala is that his rights no longer belong to Instituto. Right. I think that they were sold, which is silly in its own right, to like a third party investor and that's yeah. why they don't have much. But if you think about the so type, I mean, you, clubs are spending $3 million on. Uh, veteran defenders kind of thing mm. if you can get this 18 year old striker who could possibly be one of the best yeah. strikers in the world in 5 years time for 3 million 4 million euros why wouldn't you do it yeah and you can see yeah Palermo doing exactly what they did with uh, Pastore and I want to say Cavani but cut if I'm wrong Cavani was he there yeah Palermo? yeah yeah. he was there and with Cavani you know bringing these players in for for basically peanuts from South America and then selling them on for I mean, even if 20, 25 million. I mean, I don't think uh, Vasquez, for example, has done that well. No, he hasn't. I but don't, don't think he's played much, but yeah. No, no but yeah. But bench a lot, but yeah. he's not started very many games at all. But you're not, you're not spending that much money. I mean, you, you could get... Uh, I mean, you could get someone from from Europe already who's established and pay a lot more for them or you could just take a slight risk on a South American player and yeah but the, there's, there's also the issue of having to try and, and talk these people into moving to the other side of the world to play second or third division football yeah. and, and as I said the scouting issue as well would be those would be my two guesses at least um, we're going to play Mystic Dan's theme music now because we're getting towards the end of our allotted recording time in the studio uh, and he's going to tell us precisely what will happen this coming weekend
Mystic Dunn is back by popular demand after Mr. Castley ruined everybody's betting slips last week. Uh, it was good fun recording with it, but we won't be letting it do that again. <laughs> Take it away, Dan. Okay. Um, I've gone for San Martín de San Juan to beat the Banfield away, Tigre to win at home against Unión, Arsenal and Independiente to draw, Vélez to beat Argentinos, Godoy Cruz to draw with Lanús, San Lorenzo to beat All Boys away, Newells to beat Olimpo away, uh, Asturiantes to beat Racing away, uh, Boca to beat Rafaela away, and Belgrano to beat Colón away. That's a lot of away wins towards the end of that. Although not too many during the first half of the weekend, yeah, so I suppose it evens up. One that's Dan and I were talking about before is very hard to pick. So I wouldn't be surprised if I got a Mystic Asley-esque score on this one. <laughs> I found the same thing whilst doing my previews this this week as well. There are several. Olimpo, you always bet against Olimpo because, yeah. as we've already identified, they're crap. Um, but with those exceptions, it's. Melis Argentinos, uh, you would think, is clear cut in the Olimpo game as well, but the rest are very hard to pick. But, but even Melis. If you look at the Venice and Argentinos' home and away form, it's totally opposite to what they look like in the league. Venice mm-hmm. are mid-table at home, and Argentinos are one of the better sides away from home. Uh, so it's all very, very bizarre. Um, anyway, I don't think that we have anything else to mention at the moment, do we? No. English Dan's. Well, I was trying to think of a who I think the best, best player in the, the in the league is, but <laughs> I couldn't think of anyone better. So. Coming on. I was trying to think of who I think a bit more about the best player in the league, but uh, we'll no, we'll maybe come back to that towards the end of the season. No doubt we'll we'll do the the players of the Clausura, um, and we also should apologise to the one person who asked me which we think has been the best goal of the Clausura because we're going to have to go back and watch all of them all over again. For the moment, we'll say Santiago Silva's because we can remember it. Or Romero's, which I can also remember. Yeah, that was pretty recent. Uh, although there was that harassing one that was at the end of what was it, a 65 pass move or something that we all saw towards the Oh, yeah, again, the boys, yeah. yeah. That, was, uh, that was quite handy. That was an ask uh, So we'll say that one, in fact. That's, that's all the questions now answered. Um, yeah. <laughs> very efficiently. And we're going to let English Dan go for a wee and then we'll stop recording. So for now, from Australian Dan. Good night. From English Dan. Good night. And from me, it's goodbye, and we'll talk to you again or talk at you again next week. Ta ra.